Candace Parker is along with us tonight. And moments ago, Kristen Ludlow. Parker, what a look inside. All right, Kristen, thank you very much. I'm Kristen Ledlow. I'm Candace Parker. And this is Ledlow and Parker. This is the first ever Ledlow and Parker. I'm Kristen Ledlow. And I'm Candace Parker. Can you believe we're here? No. We're this sitting in these chairs. I know, it's happening. The lights are on. The microphones are up. And I get a chance to to be on the road all season long covering some of the biggest games with TNT. And you're now not only doing that with us, but still playing in the WNBA as well. Yes. And in the offseason, I enjoy stepping behind the mic and going in depth in the NBA. I've learned a lot from the sidelines and have really enjoyed covering it. I'm so excited we get the chance to do this together. When they approached us about this project, we knew we wanted it to be a space where some of those conversations we're having, even sitting in the makeup chair alongside some of the greatest in the game, now they can come in here, sit behind these microphones, and have those conversations with us. Well, definitely. I think it's about going in depth with more than just um, you know stats. It's about telling stories and getting to know people and individuals and what makes them great. Which is why our first guest was the perfect one. When we thought about who we wanted to launch this show with, we thought, okay, so there are some pros and cons here. The pro is that it will not get any better than this. The con is that it will not, not get any. It better. will not get any better than this. Yeah. Our first guest is Kobe Bryant. For the final time, number twenty-four on the floor. our first guest's resume in detail, it would take all of the time that we've been allotted to actually talk to him. So Kobe Bryant, everybody. Kobe, thank you so much for taking the time. It's my pleasure. How you guys doing? We're, we're good. We're trying to figure out, though, how to turn our very first media project together into an Oscar win. And we figured you would be the guy to ask. <laughs> That's that's perfect. We were like, just bring him in. We'll ask him how to get he it done. He can give us advice yes. on how to turn this <laughs> to into something it. successful. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> you have, though, founded now Granity Studios. You guys are producing books, podcasts, TV, and film. What inspired you to want to go this direction after basketball? Well, um, you know, I always loved uh, the idea of storytelling. Um, but I think you know, having children at home, wanting to create something that they could read, and be inspired by, you know, aside from like the, you know, the classics, you know, the Cinderella's, the Sleeping Beauties and things like that. Like we all, we love those stories, but I also wanted to create stories for them where they felt like, you know, you don't just fall asleep and wake up and be successful. You know, wanted to create something where they understood the value of hard work and the power of emotion and how that can be magical within sports and how does sports connect to life and this, that, and the other. And so, uh, that's why I started creating some stories and decided to found Granny Granny Studios. Well, while you were a player, um, you did a lot of things, obviously, with your mindset. Uh, there were a number of times after games where you were shooting thousands and thousands of shots because maybe you missed a game winner or, or things like that. How does that translate into you now coaching as well as developing this Mamba mentality at your Mamba Sports Academy? Well, you know, the... the, the the hardest part about the coaching and developing the sports academy is having to go back to the beginning and like think through uh, the process of how to improve as a player um, and then understanding the connectivity between improving as a player and growing as a person. Because it's very important as a coach to be able to make those connections for, for uh, not just for my daughter, but for um, her teammates. And so going back and saying, all right, we have a lot of time can't throw everything at these kids at once. I'm just going to teach them incrementally. This month we work on this. Next month we work on this. For the whole year, this is our goal. And then you just develop them over a period of time. So that's what I've had to do. You know, and just go back to when I was 10, 11 years old. What was, what was I learning? Because, well, both Candace and I have been 10 or 11-year-old girls playing basketball, but neither of us have ever been 10 or 11-year-old girls playing basketball for Kobe Bryant. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's a little bit different, right? Well, I mean, but like generationally, like they don't know. You know what I mean? Like they, they know of my name and so forth and so on, but they were too young to ever really see me who, you know what I mean? So it's not like, you know, it's, it's a, it, 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 it was a big deal when we first started because, you know, their parents, uh, you know, grew up with me and watching and so forth and so on. But like for them as kids, like they don't, 
they don't know. You know, it's just, uh, you know, they just know I, I used to be great at playing basketball and now I'm their coach. You know, it's interesting because uh, a while ago you posted an Instagram photo of uh, your daughter's team. And behind it, it was a scoreboard of them basically kicking the other team's butt. And in the caption, you talked about how the previous year they had lost to that team badly. And just, I know I have a daughter growing up. And as women, I think sometimes we're taught to not be a little bit, not brag a little bit of the accomplishments that we have. Like, what, what was your purpose in posting that? Well, you know, the understanding of the, the commitment the hard work that they've had over a year's time you know it's like you know they worked so hard every single day they are really competitive and they wanted to get better and so like there were other teams that not just that team but other teams that we played that beaten us by like 40 points a year prior um you know that we now beat on a regular basis and it's just more so uh an appreciation for all the hard work that they've put in and kind of to celebrate them in this journey that they've been on for the past year. You've also targeted some of your storytelling to that demographic. I know you have a new book being released on November 12th, Epica, The Tree of Ecroft, and you have season two of your Punies podcast as well. So for our audience who may not be familiar with those projects, what inspired them and what can they expect? Yeah, so we're, we've, uh, we have three novels, or well, two that are out now. Uh, the first one being the Wizard Art series, which is a basketball fantasy novel, and the second one being Legacy and the Queen, which is a tennis fantasy novel, and the third one coming out November 12th, which is called Epica and the Tree of Ecroft, which is a, a track and field uh, fantasy novel. And what we're trying to do is just educate kids on uh, self-awareness, really, and the emotional magic that exists within our stories. Like, what does it mean to feel anxious or feel nervous before a game? And then how does that manifest itself throughout the course of the game? And then how can you better control that fear and, uh, and, and pressure of situations? Um, so those are some of the lessons we try to teach through our novels. And then with the Punies, the Punies are just a fun show. Like, it's just a group of kids that just enjoys playing. Uh, they compete with a different sport every single episode. And the bantering that exists between them and their rival gang, the Oak Street Okies, is... Uh, is uh, it's funny. It's funny. It's a good show. Are these stories that you already had in your mind at some point while you were playing, or are they things that have been somehow conceived during the daily life of not having to play basketball anymore? <laughs> no. So, like, the first three uh, novels that we've released here uh, are stories that I've been working on since my last year of playing. So the one that's coming out November 12th, I've been working on that story for three years, about, and about four years, actually. And then the Wizard Art series, probably about two and a half to three years, and Legacy about the same. So uh, I was doing quite a bit of writing and outlining of the studio, uh, of the world, of the rules of the magic uh, during my last year of playing. That's amazing. Um, obviously, one of the reasons why we wanted to have you as our first guest, you are Kobe Bryant, obviously. Yeah, but that was the main yeah, reason. Yeah, that was the main reason. There but were other <laughs> reasons, though. But yeah. secondly, <laughs> I, we wanted this podcast to be about more than just basketball. We wanted it to be about culture, about just outside of the game. And so we would love to know, now that you're retired playing, what is your day-to-day life uh, look like right now? Yeah, so it's uh, it's pretty consistent, and I love it. Like, I, I'll get up at um, 4 to 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> wait, and, wait, you said wait, pretty hang consistent. On. Hold on, time Hang out. on, hang on. <laughs> so is this for you? Right. Or? <laughs> so nobody is requiring you to be up at 4 in the morning, and you're choosing to be up at 4 in the morning. Yeah, well, I mean, here's the thing. So, like, when I retired, I put on quite a bit of weight, and it was fun, and I enjoyed every minute of it. But yeah. then it was like, all right, I got to get back in shape. You know, I got kids to chase around and things like that. Like, I got to, you know, I can't be that dad, you know what I mean, in carpool that looks like I swallowed <laughs> coke, you know what I mean? Like, I can't. So I, it's the only time for me to get up and really get that work in is like 5 in the morning, 6 in the morning. So I get up really early. I go to the gym. I do my work. And then I, uh, I take Gigi to school. And then I come to the office, and, you know, I write, I edit, you know, we build and uh, and then from there, it's pickup time and uh, home, spend time with my babies, you know, Capri and BB, and then it's basketball practice. And then uh, depending on the night, you know, it's date night for me and Vanessa, or it's home and just chilling with the family and eating dinner. So that that's what the day looks like. 
And you're not only coaching your girls, you're still investing in this generation of NBA players with the Mamba Sports Academy. We didn't know anything about it until after it had already happened. I want to know why you thought it was valuable to do that and, well, how it went and who stood out. Well, it, it's, uh, you know, it's always fun, uh, you know, to give back. You know, like I've had a lot of mentors that mentored me throughout my, um, throughout my career. You know, Michael being one of them. Um, but there were several others that really took me under their wing and showed me the ropes. And so it's important for me to pass that along. And so to do this invitational was, uh, was fun. We had a great time doing it. The guys came and, you know, we worked. We went over things, you know, in, uh, in, in specific detail. And, um, you know, we look forward to doing some more. And Candace has told me that perhaps there's something in the works with the women of the game. Yeah, no, that we're we're definitely doing that. We're just trying to work work out exactly how to go about doing it. But um, I am more passionate about the women's game than I am about the men's game. Um, Wait, say far, that, say that again, like, Kobe. Yeah, say that you again. You can't see Candace dancing <laughs> right now. Say it again so she can keep this well, little no, bit. It's, yeah. not, it's not even close. I mean, our, our mission, our primary focus is the women's game. I mean, we just feel like, um, you know, the men's game has enough attention as it is. And the women's game is such a beautiful game. There's so many talented young players coming out that it's important to, to get them out there, to help them learn the game more, to publicize the game more. Um, so our, our primary mission is the women's game. You know, it's interesting. The NBA used different models to grow the game of basketball. I mean, obviously now in the age of social media, we're able to fall in love with players' stories and get to know them. What would be your advice in doing that same thing with the women's to growing the WNBA and making it be in every household? Well, I think if you look at storytelling as a whole, as it relates to, uh, to athletes, you know, the storytelling now has become more of uh, where did you grow up? You know, what was your upbringing? Uh, what were some of the adversity that you had to face? And that's all fine and, and good, but... I think what we need to do is make the stories more fun, more engaging. And that's where I think the women's game should be picked up, is that if you go back to the days where the NBA was getting ready to take off, what did you have? You had Air Jordan, you had George the Iceman Gerving, you had Moses Malone imposing you know, on a poster as if he's Moses. You know, There's a lot of fun hero marketing things that can be done. I would love to see happen in the women's game because then it adds an element of fun, an element of entertainment, while also understanding the style of play of that particular player that you may gravitate to. You know what I mean? Round, mound, and rebound. You know what I mean? Magic Johnson. There are certain elements to the game to make it more fun and make it more appealing while learning about the player. And that's what I would love to see happen. You may or may not remember this, but Candace was telling me about a voicemail you left her her rookie season. There was what, a symphony there element. Was a symphony a element. It was you'll know when it's your time to come forward and play your solo. I mean, it was <laughs> it was everything. I remember I had it for as long as blackberries were allowed to, <laughs> right. to carry voice notes. But it really was inspirational. And I understand that you really take the game of basketball serious. I've had the opportunity to work out with you a number of times and you know, even last year at this time and just seeing how serious and how you kind of make other players relate to the game outside of basketball. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, the, the, the connectivity that exists between the game and life, they can't be separated. You know, they're, they're absolutely one and the same. And, you know, a lot of times we'll, we'll look at development as a player and just look at it from the skills perspective, but not look at it, look at it from the emotional growth perspective and understanding the connectivity between improving on a jab step and doing the same jab step, you know, a thousand different ways, a thousand different times, and how that connects to you improving as a person on a day-to-day basis or how to deal with the fact that you may miss four or five shots in a row. You know, the ability to deal with that doesn't come from the basketball court. It comes from your emotional stability and security as a person. So how do you connect those dots? Um, And to learn those things, you got to look in other areas, uh, not just basketball. You got to look at classical music. You got to look at nature. You got to look at other people in different industries and how they're handling certain things. There's a lot of different ways to look at it. In essence, the world must become your library. So, did you take tap dancing classes to improve your footwork? Yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny, man? You know what's funny? Like we're 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 literally um, organizing our home right now, and so you know, like 
anybody with a home, you start getting clutter and stuff like that. So we're kind of organizing everything. And sure enough, I found my tap sheet. <laughs> no, that's the I best. Did. Yep, yep. My wow. size 14 tap shoes. Is, though, the voicemail that you left, Candace, the most unique motivating tool? Have you come up with anything more interesting since then when it comes to a rookie in either the NBA or the WNBA? Uh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I like to, I don't know. I mean, to me, it's just, um, I don't know. I'm just weird. I guess. I mean, it just sounds like a normal way to communicate, but you know, I, <laughs> I love the metaphors. Wait, but, but, but what's coming. normal for you is not normal for others. That's why you're Kobe Bryant exactly. and the others are the ones watching. So for you, or, it may or, be a very normal way of communicating, but it's not normal to others. And, and that's why it's yeah, so fascinating it's, to have the opportunity to get into your mind. Yeah, that just makes me very weird. That's <laughs> <all>. <laughs> or that. It could just be that. <laughs> well, I don't, I, the competition, like I'm, I've moved into the booth and done commentating in the off season now. And I miss the competition when I'm not playing, when I'm watching, you know, whatever team on NBA TV. And I miss that where you decide the wins or the losses, but I kind of get that edge from doing adventurous things. Like I went to a cliff and jumped off of it the other day. And, you know, yeah. I talked to Shaq, he DJs and gets that same adrenaline. How do you get yeah. the same adrenaline that you got from playing basketball? Um, it's hard to get the same kind of rush from it. Um, I think, you know, what helps me a lot is that I'm still connected to the game in the sense of, for example, the show detail and how I can break down game film and help players learn more about the game through, through film study. Um, um, through doing camps and clinics, through coaching my daughter. I mean, those are things that I still maintain a really close uh, connection to the game. Um, crafting stories and you know, building a publishing company, building a, an animation studio. But those are very different, though, because like you know, if I put out a novel on November 12th, you don't get immediate feedback from that. You know, it's not like you hit a game winner and the crowd goes off and you're celebrating. So it's a different kind of a rush, and I've had to become comfortable with the fact that I'm not going to get that same uh, um, uh, emotional connection that I had with the game of basketball. It's going to be different, and I have to be okay with that. Well, for the first time since you retired, the people of L.A. feel that kind of excitement surrounding the game of basketball again. What are your thoughts on this battle for L.A., not only being a battle for L.A., but perhaps for an NBA title? Man, it, it's awesome. Like, I mean, are you kidding me? Like, this is, as a competitor, it'd be a competitor's dream to participate in something like that. I mean, this is, it's fun. And I'm enjoying it just like everybody else. Okay, let me ask you one question. If you're guaranteed a ring, you're guaranteed a ring to come back and play, would you, yeah, would come, you come back and play? What, if you're you guaranteed knew, a ring. You knew you'd bring no. another t- Okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. No, no, no. I, I, I like I like my rings the hard way. Like, I like fighting through them and earning them that way. I don't I don't like the, you know, the jump into the easier route. Like so, I wouldn't take it. I'm not surprised. That, that's I'm not, not surprised surpri- either. So you I'm think what's going on perhaps in LA now, the easier route? Well, I mean, you, you can pick a team in LA. It seems like it would be the easier route. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> both teams, both teams are great. But you know, you got you got some great teams around the league too that are playing well. But I, what I'm more fascinated to see is how uh, the coaching brings this collection of talent together. Like, what system are they using? How are they developing throughout the course of the season? Um, because on paper, you have a lot of teams that look good and a lot of duos that look good. Um, but now systematically you got to figure out how you're going to execute as a team, what's your personality going to be as a team, and how you're going to progress through that throughout the course of the year, how you're going to manage injuries, and all those kind of variables that, that can win or lose you a championship. Who are some of the players now that you've targeted as worth your time, worth your investment, guys that you want to invest in moving forward? Um, you know, honestly, it's it's uh, it's a lot of players that just have a curiosity about the game. Like I, I enjoy talking to players that are really passionate about playing. Um, you know, Kyrie is probably the one I talk to the most. Um, he's truly become like a little brother to me, so I've I've kind of speak more to him uh, than probably most other players. Um, but I, I'm generally an open book and you know available to share whatever insight I have. 
you also have some great insight as to who has that Mamba mentality. We've done our best not only to figure it out, but to capture it somehow as you're watching the game. Now it's back. Who is it that has it? Uh, well, I mean, there's a lot. It's funny, like this generation of, of players that are, are coming up now um, um, that have uh, kind of watched me growing up. Because, um, you know, you know, there was a shift where, like, when MJ was playing, guys weren't really buddy-buddy with each other. And then, like, my generation, me, AI, I mean, we weren't buddy-buddies with each other when we were playing. You know, we we become close over the years. But then there's the next generation that was kind of like everybody kind of grew up together, playing AAU basketball, everybody's buddy-buddy, everybody works out together. And now there's been, like, a big shift where, like, Giannis is like, no, nah, I'm not here to be your best friend. You know, James is like, listen, no, I don't, I don't, I don't want to talk to you. You know, and it's become kind of more competitive and more combative. Uh, the series between Philly and the Celtics last year, it's like two teams that genuinely don't like each other. Um, so there's, there's quite a few athletes with this newer generation that kind of has that, that mentality. And you told Giannis to go get an MVP, and he did it. But, uh, Kobe, you're the first ever guest on Ledlow and Parker, so we want to hear, before we let you go, about some other iconic firsts in your career. So let's start with the fun one. The first technical. Do you remember it? There's no way I remember that. (laughs) No way. Then do you have a favorite one? Yes. (laughs) Is there a favorite technical? Uh, A favorite technical. Jeez, what's my favorite technical? God, that is a hard question. Yeah, like one you feel you really earned. Um, uh, like with like confronting an official. Oh, sure. Let's take yeah, it any direction you like. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't remember one like specifically, but I like. I remember dropping a few f bombs on, on an official every now and then. You know, like really getting it out there. And then sometimes, like, after the first tag, then you really get upset, and then you really want to get your money's worth. But I don't think right. I've ever been ejected for arguing with the referee. <laughs> like, I've gotten technicals, but I've never gotten ejected for that. Well, speaking of good, for, like, yeah. elbowing people and stuff like that, but never for okay. arguing with the ref. Speaking of getting your money's worth, then, your first paycheck, how'd you spend it? My first paycheck? What did I do with my first paycheck? Uh, I put it in a bank. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I did with it. Smarter than the rest of us. If I was smarter back then, I probably would have bought some land or like invested it or something like that. But I wasn't, my mind wasn't in that place. place. I just put it in the bank. All right. What about the first time you were in the gym at 4 a.m.? First time I was in the gym at 4 a.m. was Lower Marion High School. Janitor used to open up the gym for me. I used to go in there and shoot before, before school started. Which wow. was fun, but like then the rest of the day at school, like I'm sitting in classroom completely sweaty and stinky. So. Yeah. <laughs> right. It seems like a good idea. And then you have to use like the, the, the body spray from head to toe. And it's like, oh, now yeah. you're the smelly kid in class. Yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm that guy. <laughs> you though, a, a, a very sharp dresser, though, whether or not you showered, what was the first <laughs> outfit that you bought specifically to arrive to an arena? First outfit that I bought to arrive to an arena. Uh, it was a suit. I bought a suit. I think it was a an, an Armani suit. Mm. It was an Armani suit. Okay. Okay. But like back then too, you got to remember, like you know, in the early '90s, there mid '90s, you know, it was the whole Gucci sweater thing. You know, yeah. the baggy jeans. With right. The not very fitted. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. a little different. It was you know a little different era. You know. Well, your daughter just went to homecoming. I saw the pictures yeah. on Instagram. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, I know you, you went to um, prom, I think, with Brandy. Yes. And yeah. I don't know if you know this. I went to prom with Dwight Howard, your old teammate. <laughs> so Wait, what? I, she did. Can I you did. believe that? Yes, I did. We have a photo really? of it. 2004, I, I, I did. Yes. No way. No. Yes, yes she wore a bun. He, and yeah, yeah, I had she, a bun. Really? We had to bring out the bun? I mean, I'm just saying Kristen, there's photographic to, evidence. That was the first thing that popped in your mind. We had to bring up. <laughs> she wore a bun. I thought the bun was cute. I'm just saying. So if we're yes. talking about first dates. Wow. Yes. Right. Dude, that's like the, the most athletic high school couple of all <laughs> Ever. <time>. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, when was the first time you realized you were a superstar? Uh, when... Vanessa and I went to Mexico on vacation after our first championship and we didn't take security because we, we never had security. And we said, you know, we're just going to go to Mexico and hang out, have a good time. 
And we went out there and went to a little uh, gift shop. And then we couldn't get out the gift shop yeah. because fans completely <laughs> surrounded the store. And that's when we looked at each other like, all right, things things have changed. Yeah, you were the gift. Yeah, you became the <laughs> gift. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what about the first time then that you felt starstruck by someone that came to your game? First time I felt starstruck, somebody came to the game. Uh, hmm. It might have been my first time at the forum when it was like, when Pamela Anderson was sitting courtside. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she was everything then. What the hell? Like, I'm literally in Hollywood. This is crazy. Yeah, that's a good answer. (laughs) That is a good answer. That's pretty good. But then, like, like, when I first came out here, all the the, the people that I kind of hung around with um, were, like, you know, went on to do really successful things. Um, You know, Destiny's Child was just coming up. Justin Timberlake was just coming up. Yeah. Jimmy Fallon was just coming up, Jennifer Love You. So it was kind of like this kind of crew of of young, ambitious um, people wow. that wound up growing together in this market. It was pretty fun. Just casually. Destiny's Child, yeah. They came up. They Justin to Timberlake. I know of him also. <laughs> yeah. They've all gone on to do pretty great things. All right. What about the first time you met Shaq? Yes. That I remember. That oh. was in 1994. And I went to a playoff game. Uh, I went to a playoff game against the Indiana Pacers. And I went in the back, and I met Penny. And Penny wasn't too nice to me. Uh, he was my <laughs> favorite player. But then I met Shaq, and Shaq was really, really nice. He was really, really nice. Hey, young fella. Hey, how you doing, man? Hey, good luck to you. Uh, take a picture. All right, cool. I, I got I to gotta have that picture somewhere. Um, but that's, when I, that's the first time I met Shaq. We went, we might actually have it somewhere also, or Shaq may be able to give it to us. I'm yeah, sure it we, exists. Got to be able to pull that picture up man. somewhere. I mean, this, was, this was in 1994. So what was the swag like? What was the outfit? What was the drip like? Right, the, like if you remember so specifically, <laughs> men- yeah, meeting him, it's got to be. Um, I, think, I think he had like you know, remember he used to wear like those dress pants with like a like a dress vest when like no shirt underneath, like yes! that type of stuff, and, like a top hat. <laughs> Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yes. I think it was one of those days for him, like the little gold, like the the the, the um the twism chain he used to wear. <laughs> when though was the first time that you knew your last season would be your last season? Um, after a home game against Indiana, I think it was. That's when I knew for sure. I remember. Um, after the game, it's kind of set in the arena. Arena emptied out, and my, I just my legs were hurting, my mind, everything. Like I just knew for sure this was. I kind of been going back and forth. But after that game, like I knew for sure this was it, and then decided to act on it, and uh, pretty quickly after that. Kobe, I uh, I remember at, outside of an elevator in Beijing at the Olympics, and I remember meeting your daughters for the first time. And the first thing you said to me, you were like, hey, these are my daughters. They're going to break all your records one day. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember laughing. And then, you know, your your little daughter didn't laugh that hard. I'm not going to lie. No, she didn't she laugh. Knows. Yeah, she, she, she didn't laugh very wrong. hard. And so when was the first time you knew Gigi, like she wanted it? Um, hmm. Probably about a, a year ago. Like, it was one after one of those games where we got beat by, like, 40 or something like that. And, you know, just her determination to get better. Like, she she wasn't sulking, sulking or anything like that. She just was asking a lot of questions about the game and, like, how to get better and what should I do here? What should I do there? Can I do this? Well, what if this happens? And that curiosity where she didn't get bogged down, she didn't let the, the loss weigh her down for a day or two or anything. I mean, she was just, like, right back at it. Like, how can I get better? And uh, and that's what I knew. But she she's 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 a dog, man. I mean, she competes. I mean, I could tell that first <laughs> that first meeting when yeah. she didn't chuckle. One of her many genetic yeah. gifts. Yeah. yeah no, she, she gets she gets she gets after. It. I mean, there's a lot of work to be done, obviously, man. But it's it's but the the the, the determination is there. The, um, the love for the game is there. So we'll see. Your final night on the floor. I was working the earlier shift at NBA TV. I leave and go with a couple of friends to my favorite karaoke bar, and I decide, in front of about 200 people there, 
to dedicate to you, Kobe, Casey and JoJo's All My Life. I had about 200 people <laughs> singing All My Life dedicated to you as you on a big screen are walking off the floor. So I want to know so awesome. the first thing you thought to do once you knew you were done. Uh, like the next day sort of thing? Uh, oh, yeah, sure. I mean, I guess, you had to have slept in that day, right? Or did, did you go right back to the 4 a.m. wake-up call? Yeah, no, we're, we we didn't get back home till like, 3 in the morning. Yeah. So the kids had school, but me and Vanessa were under the impression that, you know, they were just going to sleep in and not go to school until they come into our room at, like, 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning to wake <laughs> us up to go to school. We're ready. I was like, Happy oh, retirement. This, all, right. all right, this is what we're doing. All, all right, right, we're going this to school. what life looks like um, now. So, yeah, that's what, it, that's what it was. Just the next day just went on as, you know, you know as being a retired athlete. I mean, it's just amazing. Like you have this big night, and then the next morning, it's quiet. You're with your family. You're driving around. You're doing daily errands and things of that nature. And uh, it's 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 a beautiful feeling to have the feeling of you know what life goes on. Kobe, you have chosen to invest both in Candace and I uniquely at different stages in our career. And I know that you have to go because you have to get to your daughter's practice. But if you were to leave <laughs> us with any final words of advice for this project that we're launching together, what would they be? I think uh, uh, continuing to touch on um, the person that makes the athlete and the athlete that makes the person. I think there's content like that is, is this doesn't exist out there too much because everybody wants to do the silly superficial stuff, but you guys have a great knack of digging a little deeper and making it entertaining and making it sound fun. And uh, I'm looking forward to watching you guys uh, dominate the podcast space. We're not Man, crying. We're, yeah, we're <laughs> not. We're not crying. <laughs> Thank you, Thank Kobe, you. so much for that, you got it. for you, and for taking the time to join us. And I really that hope that at some point I get another voicemail. Yeah. Critiquing our podcast. Right. We need, yes. <laughs> Telling me Stop. that we could do better yeah. and, you know, the things we need to improve on. So I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Appreciate you guys. Thanks Thank again. Thank you. Because this is a new project, we're going to try some segments to see, you know, what the fans like. This we've dubbed. And that's what we said. That's what we said. <laughs> <laughs> it may stick. It may not. But for now, we're going with a few big topics. The first one, this weekend, you were inducted into the Tennessee Hall of Fame. Tell me about the weekend. I had a great time. It was it, it Tennessee's home to me. Went back. Uh, we were on a drive up here to Atlanta or down here to Atlanta. And uh, I asked my daughter, I'm like, what, what are the things you really enjoyed about it? And she said, I, I loved seeing Coach Summit's plaza. She has a plaza out front that has her statue on it. And so, you know, going back home is tough because we do miss her a lot. But um, being able to celebrate, see familiar faces, uh, got a got a huge got huge love from from the football fans when I when we were announced at, you know, at the end of the first quarter. And you got to see some good football, which you can't. See, I'm telling you can't always expect in Tennessee. <laughs> OK, Kristen, watch it. OK, my volunteers crushed South Carolina and I was extremely happy telling you, like, I've, I haven't witnessed a win in some very long time. And, you know, I bleed orange. So uh, it was a great win. What, though, are some of the memories that when you step back on that campus and you think about Coach Summit and you think about the days that you spent honing your craft there? I just remember Coach Summit always was one of those people that just didn't talk the talk. She also walked it. And some of the life lessons kind of echo in my ear when I'm thinking about her when I step back on campus. She, she always said, you win with people. That's how you win. She said, medals, Olympics, championships, all that's great. But when she looks at banners, she sees all the faces of her, her players, her staff. Um, and then I myself, just obviously transitioning into this kind of new career, it's really about the relationships. And the sooner you realize that, the sooner you really genuinely, I don't know, just fall in love with the people, that's when you really become successful. How big then is her impact not only on your daughter, but on you as a mother? The way I parent my daughter, when she was little and Coach Summit was still alive, she would always call her Toach. 
She'd be like, mom, is that Toach on the phone? And I'm like, yeah, this is Toach. And Pat loved Layla. I mean, would stop practice and take her into the stands and play the drums and walk around. I mean, she absolutely loved Layla. And so sometimes when I'm telling her something, she'll be like, mom, even at 10, she'll say, mom, that's something Toach taught you. And I'm like, yes, that's something that coach taught me. And so she understands who coaches and, you know, it's our job as disciples of Coach Summit to continue her legacy. Well, congratulations on your Hall of Fame induction. Thank you. The first maybe, but I'm sure not the last. (laughs) I am undoubtedly sure not the last. So we were both on the road for opening week. Exciting moments, memories. What stood out to you? Because you were on the West Coast while I spent some of my time in Toronto for ring night and then down in Houston. What stood out to you about your trip? Man, um, well, first of all, I think being at Chase Center was (laughs) Unbelievable. Well, okay, tell me then. You saw it in person, and I didn't get to. Our photo was on the side of Chase it Center. Was, like, how big was it? It was ginormous. <laughs> like Chuck could stand. I don't know, hundred times in front of. <laughs> wow, and he is no slight man. And let me tell you this: Chuck tried to say he wasn't going to subscribe, but he later texted me and was like, "I was just kidding. It came out right. wrong. I'm subscribing." He had to like be cool for yeah. The- for the program. He had to. I guess. What, though, as you were watching the game, stood out to you about some of the Western Conference action? Kawhi Leonard is a beast. Right? And I think the crazy thing is, defensively, how crazy the Clippers are right now. And they have one of the best defenders in the entire league still sitting on the bench in Paul George. Yeah. And a lot of times when you have offensive power, you wonder if they're going to come back rusty. Well, Paul George can affect the game on the de- defensive end. So I'm, it was crazy to see how the Clippers dominated. Well, and what's crazier is like, as we talk to Kobe about the battle in LA and how good basketball has become just in that city, it's really across the board in the Western conference. Like I, I was in Houston. It, it, would anybody be hugely shocked if the Rockets won the West? No, like they're in that conversation. I am though interested to know what you think about James Harden and Russell Westbrook playing alongside each other. I've always been a fan of Russ. I really do feel like he is very misunderstood, and I think he is adaptable to the situation. The Thunder, he had to get triple doubles for them to win. Right. And with Houston, you saw in the first game against Milwaukee, I mean, he came out composed, under control, willing to make the next pass, willing to push and facilitate and do what was best for the team. So I like the way that that him and James are going to play. I think they got to get James Harden going a little bit. but he's going to knock down shots. Well, they're trying to do so in the ways that make each of those guys uniquely them. When we had our broadcast meeting with Coach D'Antoni before the game, he told us that kind of the idea is that we'll get out in transition every single time, give Russ the ability to get to the other end of the floor and to try and attack the paint. Then if the defense packs the paint, you give James his time to get back into the half court set, you kick it back to him and then let him cook. But those guys are probably not going to be on the floor more than about 12 or so minutes together because they're each going to have time with the first and second units. And then they'll obviously each have about that much time sitting on the bench as well. So a lot has been made about whether or not they can even make it work. But if you let them each do what they do well, I mean, are are we talking about a contender? I'm in agreement with you. I think definitely their usage for both of them are going to go down. And um but I I like utilizing that. I don't know if I would play them only 12 minutes together. I think once they figure out how to play with one another. I mean, people said the same thing about when Chris Paul came. Right. They were like, he dominates the ball. There's no way he can play off the ball. Well, Russ hasn't had to play off the ball. So you have to have a learning curve to kind of be able to experience that. Crazy thing is they can score within four seconds, five seconds of the yeah. shot clock <laughs> with his speed and his athleticism. How much, though, do you think can be made of that those guys friendship like how much will it matter that they have a friendship now that spans a decade maybe a little bit longer when it comes to these dominant players and dominant personalities how valuable will that aspect be well you saw early on in the game James Harden talking to Rus- Russell Westbrook it's kind of the way that you talk to your family it, like you way. know that you can exactly. talk to your mom in a way that maybe you wouldn't talk to your boss because you know she's not going to leave you or fire exactly. you exactly <laughs> like when you have a family bond like that they can talk to each other that way and we're the ones that'll make something out of it because they're not they're not and that's the thing when you're playing with players that you genuinely like and teammates that you genuinely have their back and you know they have your best interests at heart 
you can say those things. And I guarantee James Harden isn't going to smack away Russell Westbrook again. Yeah. <laughs> if, though, it were to happen. I mean, we saw them boxing Not each other this happen. summer. Not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> it won't. I can, I can, gar- I can guarantee. Yeah. That he's not going to slap away his hand. That is our very first Charles Barkley guarantee. <laughs> he said he wouldn't subscribe, but he is going to be a guest on this yes. show, right? He is. He has to be. Yes, especially after the butt whooping his Auburn Tigers just took. He yeah. has no choice. It's, he's He's got a lot of time now. He's honestly. got nothing but time. <laughs> when he said he wasn't going to subscribe, he was like, well, I have a life. I have a, you know, but really. Huh. What are you that busy doing that you can't come on this podcast? Well, he looks good. He has lost. He, he's lost a he lot of has, weight coming in this year. Which is funny that you and I always talk about hanging out with him is what gets us out of shape. And then now he shows up all in shape <laughs> yeah, for I'm, the season. I'm, Charles put me back a couple weeks. Right. Um, you know, trying to trying to eat right. and drink. So you have all the media pundits talking about your body and whether or not you're in shape for your WNBA season. But like, they don't really know what those late nights look like. That's what with I mean, us like they the don't road. understand. Like, well, yeah. You know, they're talking about running sprints <laughs> and suicides and all that stuff. You don't know what it's like yeah. to be up at two a.m. Right. Get off and like you gotta have what chicken ten like there's right. all this at the food hotel skittles. bar in Milwaukee. What else am I supposed to eat? There's nothing. All right. Well, hey, that's the flawless transition to another big topic. <laughs> which is that every day is Taco Tuesday in Boston. The Taco Fall cult following. I mean, have you watched what has happened here? Well, first of all, that was a hell of a transition. I know. You're welcome. <laughs> was really, I, that, I really right feel there, really confident in my point me, guard. Why they pay me the big bucks. Telling you, point guard is just on it. No. But I mean, this is a guy that almost the way we talk about Kobe, like, Wait, really? He uses uh, tap dancing to improve his footwork and, 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 and symphonic melodies to, to get him into his mamba mentality. It's almost like he's becoming that guy that we create these stories about. I mean, he actually was put in concussion protocol from walking into a doorframe. I'm not kidding. I mean, I've seen this this guy. He came he came to our Eastern Conference or Western, whatever you want to call it. We don't have a conference in the WBA anymore. Right. Our game against Connecticut in the playoffs. And he lifted a kid out of the stands and <laughs> held him up over the rim, and the kid threw the ball in. Right. It was he's the biggest well, no, guy I've ever seen. You and I are not short. No. I think that people could look at the photo of us and think that maybe we're average sized women. We're not. I'm almost six feet tall, and you see how much taller Candace is than me. I even at Boston Celtics Media Day saw like local media members who always play it cool around some of the biggest names in the game were like, Can I take a picture with you? Because it's like that's a grown man that comes up to another grown man's belly button. Like <laughs> awkward. How? <laughs> it's awkward. Like how? Well, so the name Taco Fall got me thinking a little bit about the best names in sports. I'm not even talking about nicknames because we could go on and on and on with those. I'm talking about your given Christian name made you a legend. That's, I mean, thoughts, you know, I, that's a good one. I think God sham God. Oh, right. You, yes, you have, I mean, he changed his name. So he knew that that probably wasn't. Well, then if we can go with People who have changed their names to what then became the name of legend. Can we go with Ron Artest? Can we go with Meta Meta World World Peace? Peace. That's a good one. I mean, everybody was kind of like, what, when he did it? No, yeah, definitely. But then everybody was like, Meta, (laughs) when they saw him. Yeah. I mean, World Peace written on the back of an NBA jersey. That's You can't really top that, can you? Purple and gold, they did it. Speaking of purple and gold, how about this high school football player who is now committed to LSU? His name, I'm not kidding, is DeColdest Crawford. His mom knew something. Well, you know what his middle name is? No. His his entire name. Don't. (laughs) There's no way that I'll say it as cool as DeColdest is hoping that I'll say it. But his name is DeColdest, to ever do it, Crawford. His middle name is to ever do it. To ever, you, to ever do it? To, to ever, do ever do it? it. To ever, yes, to ever do it. I wonder the person that was writing the birth certificate out, like, are you sure <laughs> that that's what you want to name your child? But I mean, hey, listen, he is the coldest, right? right. At this point, he committed to LSU. Great it's a lot of program. pressure, though, it's if you're named that because you have to actually be the coldest to ever do it. 
<laughs> What's more pressure, the coldest to ever do it or LeBron James Jr.? Oh, you know what? That is an excellent question because I don't think it's close. I, I mean, I don't think so. Either. I love that early on when Ronnie was choosing his jersey number that it's like, well, I don't want to get 23 because it's <laughs> what, so so maybe the crowd will be confused when they announce number fill in the blank LeBron James Jr. And then he just runs out <laughs> and people are like, who is that? Who Who is who is that? I mean, a lot of pressure, though, to live up to that name. I think it's a, a lot of pressure to have LeBron as your dad anyway. Yeah. But to then name, I mean, he admitted it himself. He was like, I probably shouldn't have done that. But, I mean, it's turned out, maybe it is in the name. I mean, Bronny's it, uh, uh, an amazing basketball player right. already. Dakota's just got signed with LSU. I mean, he's right. going to one of the top programs. So maybe we should, Kristen, you're firstborn. Maybe that's the key, is yes. you have to name them something like that's, that. That's, okay. So Layla, my daughter, she's... That's that, that, why she doesn't that, like basketball. No, well, that's a strong okay. name. Maybe she'll be a fighter. <laughs> there you go. All right. Yeah. So that's a strong that's a good name. One. That's a good Layla. one. I like that. Yep. Well, so what should we name my firstborn? Um, Wait, which, by the way, he or she is not coming anytime soon, as far as I know. However, <laughs> we've gone down this road, so we're going to keep on that's jogging. A, what should we name your first? I said we because we're friends. Right. So yeah, absolutely. I, You'll have a this. say in it. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. It's something to think about. So if we could change our names, what would we change? Oh, our names I like to? that. So nickname, right? Hmm. If you weren't Candace Parker, oh my goodness, I don't. Maybe this is something we should leave up to the fans. Yeah, if you. So we're exactly. like we're asking for all this fan feedback on segments that work, interviews that work. You know, if you tweet or post at NBA on TNT, uh, just tell us. We want to know because we want to get your five-star ratings. <laughs> this is NBA, which in this case is going to stand for No Basketball Allowed. So we're taking it to the U.S. women's soccer star, Alex Morgan. She's coming off, I mean, an incredible year. She won the silver boot at the World Cup. She just, though, announced that she and her husband are expecting their first child. So, Candace, you as a professional athlete, also a mother, what's some of the advice you would give her? Man, I'm so happy for her. It's going to change her life, you know, obviously as an athlete, but as a person yeah. uh, to begin with. So first and foremost, I'm a huge believer in, you know, taking your time, doing what's best for you. For me, I, you know, I was young and eager to still play. So I worked out every day and tried to come back in best shape. I mean, but guess what? There's like a human being growing in your body. Well, wait, so we're talking <laughs> about the coolest names. Maybe we should name her child. <gasps> like the boot. Oh, I like that. Do you or, like the boot? I mean, in contrast to DeColdest, her kid could be DeHottest. Oh, da <laughs> <laughs> She's like, you're not allowed within that 100 feet of my child all. ever. Yeah. <laughs> so but you bring up, though, a great point, Candace, because her baby girl is due in April of 2020. So the Summer Olympics would be three or so months later. I mean, how does that feel to perhaps carry the weight of the pressure to become yourself again, the, the you that we've expected? You know, her teammate, uh, Sydney LaRue, has kind of gone through that. And, you know, we've watched on Instagram with her post um, doing training camp when she was three or four months pregnant. And, you know, we've seen different journeys. I mean, now as women, as athletes, our bodies are incredible. We're able to do a number of different things. I think she can go at her own pace and figure out if she wants to come. I mean, she's accomplished enough as it is. So if she wants to take time and, you know, take off, great. If she doesn't, you know, go after it and she's capable of doing it. But I don't think anybody should shame anybody into doing one thing or the other. Yeah. It's your personal decision. Well, so if your advice for her is to do what makes her feel most comfortable and most confident. What then would your advice be when you think about the hundreds of thousands, if not millions of opinions that will come ringing in ever so loudly as soon as, as soon as she makes that decision? Well, it was funny. I was looking under the comments because I think it's really funny sometimes with Sydney LaRue and she posts about when she was in training camp with her daughter. Uh, she was pregnant with her daughter and yeah. people were, and he, she was like, if you don't have a vagina, you yeah. cannot comment. That's <laughs> Underneath, if, if you, you are not, not had, educated exactly. on this subject you are not whatsoever, you educated don't get an and have not had a child, don't comment. And that's you know kind of my take on things. Everybody is different. Um, people come back super fast. People come back slow. But at the same time, 
you know, she's going to do what's best for her and, you know, she'll be back to form for sure. What was that process like for you? For me, I was 23 and it was coming off of a huge year. I remember everybody was like, how could you do this to us? Like I was just disappointing them. Right. As if you had done As something. As if I had done something wrong. The, right. And I was like, you know, male athletes have kids all the time and nobody asked them, how could you do this? Or even when they have the kid, nobody on a road trip is like, where are your children? Yeah. Um, and so for me, it was just a unique experience of understanding that it's important to talk about it. And it's important to understand that some people like to travel this way and some people go a whole different road and that's okay. And I think more people are talking about it now. I know Serena Williams really opened up about her experience, even with postpartum depression and different things that go on with just having a child. And um, I think it's really exciting. I mean, it's an exciting time in your life. Did any part of your decision-making throughout that process did any of it stem from the pressure that you felt to immediately return to form? I had my daughter in a carrier, in one of those little carriers, two weeks old in the gym with me for my first workout, wow. two weeks post um, having her. And my brothers were in attendance. And my brother, Anthony, who's played in the NBA for years, was like, I don't know if you should jump back into it like this. I think there are steps. And me, 23, young, dumb, stupid, no, I'm good. I'm stubborn. I got it. My back locked up the next day. I could barely walk. But I set a goal when I found out I was pregnant to come back July 5th and play. And I had her May 13th wow. and I came back July 5th and I was not the same by any means. I was still nursing at halftime and, you know, getting up for feedings in the middle of the night. But I don't regret it because I think I set a goal and I would have been really disappointed in myself if I didn't accomplish that goal that I set for myself. Well, which jokes on you, you brought her to the gym at two weeks old and now she's not really that into playing basketball. <laughs> oh, the joke's on me. <laughs> Layla is like, I'll show you, mom. I've been in the gym enough. Yeah. I'm done. You know what? Yeah, right. Yeah. You can't bring me in for a 5 a.m. workout at two weeks old and then expect me at 11 years old exactly. to be like, you know what? Yeah, I'm that was this. where I went wrong, huh? <laughs> Morgan... Don't, or Alex Morgan, don't bring in your child to the field. Don't bring her. Don't bring her to the field. Bring her. You know, we can switch. Layla can go because she likes soccer. Layla can go play soccer with Alex Morgan. And I like that. Yeah. You her daughter can come. Yeah. Play basketball. Or babysit. You don't call it borrow when it's a child. <laughs> Good job, Kristen. <laughs> I'm <laughs> not go. ready to have kids. <laughs> Way to go. Way to go. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I, so how are you feeling, by the way? Now, we just essentially finished our first episode of Ledlow and Parker. I'm extremely excited. I, right? I think we had an amazing first we episode. We went on quite a journey. There were laughs. It was There were tears. Great debut. How do you feel? I almost started crying when Kobe gave us that. You know, like, I'm glad we went immediately to a break. I can't wait to check my voicemail because I'm sure he's going to have some words. Right? I want you know, one. I want, he's going to critique the podcast. Like, I you could have a melodic you know, voicemail. Yeah. We'll do it. Well, this is happening every single Tuesday. <laughs> Ledlow and Parker. Don't just subscribe. Rate us five stars and tell all your friends. We'll be back next Tuesday. Tuesday.